Welcome to this week's podcast from Church on the Rock. We hope that it will challenge and inspire you to be a more passionate follower of Jesus. For more information about Church on the Rock, visit us at cotrcalera.com. Jesus and Moses are going to play a, a round of golf in heaven. And this old man walks up to him right before they're about to start and says, Hey, man, can I play with y'all? And so they're like, sure. All right. So Moses takes his golf ball and he hits, um, he hits, he hits the ball and man, he hits this duck hook and it, it kind of bends around and immediately heads right towards the water. And when the ball gets, got close to the water, the water's parted and the ball hit the ground on dry land and it just rolled through the dry land back up the bank and onto the green. Just like Moses, right? Part in the sea. So Jesus, it was Jesus' turn this time. Jesus hit the ball, and he also hit a ball. It started curving all this guys headed right towards the water. But instead of parting the water, the ball just kind of hovered over the water, all the way across the water until it got uh, to the land and popped up onto the green. The old man, kind of looking in disbelief as to what he just saw, thought to himself, like, how am I ever going to top these two guys, Right? So he took, a, took the ball, he put it down, and he took a swing, and he severely sliced the ball off to the right. The ball goes way off to the right, it hits a tree, bounces along the shore next to the water. Before the ball came to a stop, a squirrel picked up the ball and started running away. When an eagle came and swooped up and picked up the squirrel down and, and took the squirrel over the hole to which the squirrel dropped the ball and the ball lands on the green and proceeds to bounce all the way until it's a hole in one. Jesus just kind of stood there. He looked at the old man. He said, good shot, dad. That's how you beat him, right? I mean, if you're, you're the father, you just, I, I don't know. Like, I think he probably could have just hit it in there without all of that. He was just showing off is what it was. All right. <clears throat> Anyways, so, um, you know, there are a lot of scriptures in the Bible. Last week we talked about this. We actually read, you know, dozens of scriptures last week that talked about the goodness of God in the New Testament and the Old Testament as well. And so... Um, we see this, you know, dozens and dozens of verses all throughout Scripture and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we, we, we have this thing, this idea that God is good. We see it in the Bible. We see it in the New Testament. We see it in the Old Testament. And this, this question of, of, of God being good. And so what we have to be careful of sometimes is we don't want to shift our theology to match our experience all right, but we want to look at our experiences through the lenses of God's truth because this is this is one of the problems that we can have in our life is that when we begin to experience bad things, when we've been dealt a bad hand or bad things happen to us or whatever, sometimes the temptation is to begin to you know shape our theology around what we feel is our experience. All right. And so we don't want to do that. We don't want to make sure that we have that kind of mentality. We want to make sure that our theology, we look through everything that we deal with in our life through the truth of God's word. So God's word, let God be true in every man a liar. The scripture says that let God be true. God is not a man that he should lie, nor son of a man that he should change his mind. We see this. So even in God's word, all scripture is God breathed, used for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training, and righteousness. All of, so all of this is in the Bible that teaches us to, to, to understand that 
our experiences don't tell us what is true. God's word tells us what what is true. And when our experiences don't line up with God's word, then there's a problem. But the problem is not with God's word. You follow me? All right. So it's really important that we understand that. Now, what we were going over last week is this idea, listen, is that faith is necessary to please God. Hope is necessary to have faith. And believing that God is good is necessary to have hope. All right, so you follow the formula there. So in other words, um, it, it, you can't, the Bible says you cannot please God without faith. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter if you raise your hands in worship. It doesn't matter if you run up and down the aisles. Okay? It doesn't, doesn't matter if you, you know, serve at every event, you're part of the worship, whatever. None of that matters. None of that stuff is pleasing to God inherently. All right? Faith is what is pleasing to God. So the Pharisees did all the religious things and did them well. They fasted and they prayed. They gave. They, they memorized the Bible. They knew the Bible. They taught the Bible. I mean, they were the leaders of the church. And yet, even Jesus pointed them out and said, you're a brood of vipers. And, you know, called them all kinds of nasty names because on the inside they were dead. All right? So it is faith, okay, that allows us to please God. Right? And faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you have to have hope to have faith. All right? And, and, and hope is a positive expectation of your future. It is having a positive expectation that something good is going to happen in my future. And that's what hope is, right? So we have to have hope, all right? Believing that God is good is necessary to have hope. Believing that God is a good God and that he is good all the time is necessary to have hope, all right? But here's the problem. Here's the real problem, all right? Um, There are enemies to our hope. There are enemies to our hope. There are three great enemies to your hope, all right? Three great, um, you know, and another way you could say is that we're talking about the three great immobilizers. In other words, they, um, they can create issues inside of your mind, inside of your heart that keep you from being able to live in hope, okay, which will then keep you from having faith and then it keeps you from being pleasing to God. So there are three great enemies to your hope and those enemies are fear, doubt, and worry, all right? Fear, doubt, and worry. And how many of you know that like we all at many different levels of our life struggle with these particular areas of our life? Fear, doubt, and worry. All right. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about these three enemies of our hope. These three enemies of our ability to have faith and how they attack us. All right. And how they keep us from being able to live the way that God designs and wants us to live. All right. And so um, all, all three of these fear, doubt and worry. Listen, all three of these are negative uses of your imagination. OK, all three of them are negative uses of your imagination. All right. That's exactly what they are. They are negative uses of your imagination. All right. In Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So Paul says that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these imaginations that I have that create these, this, this issue of fear, that create this issue of doubt, that create this issue of worry in my life. I'm going to take these imaginations and I want to cast them down 
and I'm going to take every thought captive to, the, to obedience to the name of Jesus. So I'm not going to allow these things. It's, listen, it's one thing to be tempted by fear. It's one thing to be tempted by doubt. So just because you have a thought of fear, or just because you have a thought of doubt, or just because you have a thought of worry, doesn't mean you have to live in that land. All right? So we, what, what you want to do is to make sure that, you know, you oftentimes, it's like this, you can't, you can't really help it. You can't keep the birds from flying over the trees, but you can keep them from making their nest in it, all right? And that's kind of how our thought life is, like, hey, these thoughts are going to come. They're going to attack us. They're gonna, the enemy is going to attack us in these particular areas, all right? And it's up to you whether or not you allow those things to rest inside your mind to affect the way that you are, all right? And so let's talk about fear, for example. All three of these today, fear. There's a story about a guy named, by the name of Black Bart. Anybody ever heard of Black Bart? Nobody. That's what I thought. I really didn't either until I was doing some research. All right. Black Bart was a professional thief whose very name struck fear as he terrorized the Wells Fargo stage line. From San Francisco to New York, obviously this is back in the 1800s, uh, his name became synonymous with the dangers of the frontier. Between 1875 and 1883, he robbed 29 different stagecoach crews. But amazingly enough, this listen, Bart did it with all without firing one shot because his hood hit his face. No victim ever saw his face. He never took a hostage and was never trailed by a sheriff. Instead, Black Bart used fear to paralyze his victims. His sinister presence was enough to overwhelm the toughest stagecoach guard. Okay? What happened was is he had created a reputation for himself. He never killed anybody. He never even fired his gun. Okay? None of these kinds of things happened. But just his name, it created fear amongst the people. All right? The people that would, the guards or the people that were trying to guard these railroads. All right? So much to the degree that they would basically just let him have his way whenever he showed up on the scene. All right? This idea that what fear does to us, and I, I'll, I'll tell you this, like I, I'm just, um, I'm one of these, these, I just don't like, I don't like watching horror movies. Not because I'm afraid of them, but because I don't want to live my life in fear. Does that make sense? Okay. Like if I'm going to watch something that's going to make me be afraid like, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to subject myself to something that God tells me not to do? Why would I want to subject myself to something that could cause me to feel something inside of my life that God, how God doesn't want me to live? Now, maybe you feel like that you can get through that without feeling that way. Well, then kudos to you, all right? But it doesn't work that way with me, right? It just doesn't. I start watching scary movies, and I'm like sitting in the dark hearing all kinds of crazy noise. like, who? Was that somebody coming to get me? <clears throat> Crystal, go check that out. <clears throat> you think that's funny? My brother-in-law actually did that. <clears throat> One night he woke up in the middle of the night, heard some noise in the living room, and was like, Josie, Josie, go see what that was. <laughs> of course, that's Jeremy, though. If you know Jeremy, uh, he's, uh, he's a scaredy cat. So, um, <clears throat> Now, here, here's the thing. Like, you've heard when we, you talk about fear... Um, you know, there's a lot of times this idea that, 
you know, the Bible says, do not fear 365 times. So that's one time for every day. Um, the truth being known is, I, I don't really know if that can even be verified. I've done some research on it myself and seen some things. Um, um, you, you probably have to be stretching it a little bit to find 365 references to, to God saying, you know, do not fear. But, but we do know this, is that, that there, are, there are well over 100 times in the scriptures where the Bible tells us to, to fear not, where the Bible says do not fear. Well over 100, probably in the 140s, where the, where the Bible specifically says, so listen, specifically says do not, do not fear or fear not, whatever, however you want to say it, uh, do, do not be afraid. And um, so we see that the scripture is full of it. And, and what does it really matter if it says it three, 365 or 140? What if it just said it once or twice where God just says, hey, don't, don't be afraid? I don't think it really matters like how many times God has to say it, right? I mean, but 140 references in the Bible is a lot of references when God begins to talk about fear. Almost to the point where like, hey, I, like I get the point. God is telling me it doesn't matter what I'm facing. And listen, in every situation, if you go into Old Testament and look, you, you could see, you know, David and Moses and all of these, these guys that were leading, you know, small armies into big battles against big enemies. And, and, and God would say, you know, do not fear because, you know, I'm going to hand the, you know, your enemies into your hand. There's all of these references in the scripture that no matter what they were facing, no matter what they were going through in their life, that God would tell them like, hey, no matter how big the giant is that stands in your way, no matter how big the problem is that you're facing, listen, I want you to know, do not be afraid. All right? And so this is like, this is like a choice that you have to make in your own life to say, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to be afraid. All right? And most of the time, listen, that God would say this, he would say, fear not for I am with you. Okay? Fear not for I am with you. Why? Because God is a good God. And he says, hey, you don't need to be afraid because I'm going to be with you, right? And he's bigger and greater than any obstacle or problem that we could face in our life. Fear not, for I am with you. This, this again, references the goodness of God. That God doesn't just say, like, oh, stop being a baby. You know, just grow up. Don't be afraid. Ain't no big deal. You'll be fine. No, no. He says, hey, it's okay. Fear not. Hey, man, I'm going to be with you. I'm going with you. It's okay, Right? It's, it would be the difference of like, uh, actually just, just last night, Skylar was like, daddy, like take me to help, you know, take me upstairs to my room because I don't want to go by myself because I'm afraid. So, so my temptation is like, just go. It's, there's nothing in the house, right? This is me. There's nothing in the house. All the doors are locked. You'll be fine. Go turn on a light. Grow up already. you four year old. Um. <laughs> uh, but that you, generally, that's not good enough, right? I mean, you know, and it, and it wasn't. She wanted somebody to come up and accompany her because it made her feel so much better. And this is how God is. God doesn't just be like, hey, you're fine. Grow up. Where's your faith? What's wrong with you? No, he says, hey, don't be afraid. I'm coming with you. I'll come with you. All right? This is what God does. He, he says, I'm, I'm going to come with you. All right? You know, fear... Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that some, someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or is a threat. All right? This idea that someone or something is likely to cause pain. It's, it is, listen, it is an emotion 
Okay? It is a negative use of your imagination about something in the future. Now, I understand, like, if you're, um, you know, like, if you are, say, um, in the ocean and sharks are swimming around you, it's, you're not, it's not really a negative use of your imagination that bad things could happen to you, right? right? I mean, so there's a great, but, but even then, look, listen, okay? It, you know, it was Daniel who was cast into a, a den of hungry lions who, who should have eaten him alive, and, and yet God still calmed it. So even, even in a situation like that, God's word says, you know, do not be afraid, all right? Do not be afraid, all right? And so this, this idea here of this fear is, is this unpleasant emotion caused by belief that something is likely to cause. Listen, that we're likely to cause is listen, a projection into your future. Okay? But hope things that hope believes that good things will happen in your future. Fear believes that negative or bad things are going to happen to you in your future. All right? And so when we live in fear, we can't be living in hope. All right? When we live in fear, we can't live in hope. It's impossible for you to live in hope and live in fear at the exact same time. And you remember, hope is necessary for you to have faith, and faith is necessary to please God. So how can you be outside of the fact that you just are disobeying God, telling you 140-something times, fear not, (laughs) right? You still can't please God because you're not walking in faith anymore. Fear, it'll do it to us. It'll cause us to talk. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, it says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Scripture after scripture, we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my, listen, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is good to me. The Lord is good to me. He is my helper. All right. He's good to me. Even uh, in First John, it says that perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect love. Who's perfect love? The Father's perfect love. When you, when you get into the presence of the perfect Father and His perfect love, it casts out all fear in our life. We don't have to live being afraid anymore. We can, um, we can walk in, uh, in confidence there. The second thing is, is doubt. Doubt, listen, doubt can be defined as a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction, okay? James chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do, okay? Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You, like, listen, so uh, listen to, to, to the wording here. Okay? When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts, like, right, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So it's this idea like when you ask God for something and you pray for something, you shouldn't doubt. And the reason why you shouldn't doubt is because you believe that God is good. All right? And that if God is good, then he's going to answer your prayer. Now, it may not come in the way that you want it to come. 
It may not come in the time that you want it to come because we have to also understand that God is not some kind of celestial vending machine that if we push the right numbers, bang, there's our little answer, okay? He's not Santa Claus, okay? We can't just go sit in his lap and be like, hey, Santa, I've been nice. Would you give me this? Okay, that's not how it works, okay? So he's he's not any of those kinds of things, but it still tells us that this idea that we should believe that God is good, that no matter what we're going through, no matter where we are in our life, that we believe that when we come to him and we begin to pray and we ask him to do something, that he's going to do it. And he's going to do it in his own timing and he may do it in his own way, but he's still going to do it. And there's several times in scripture where people prayed for something and they had to wait to receive the answer. And there's nothing wrong with waiting a little bit. I know that we don't like to wait. Okay, I don't like to wait either. I mean, we got our fast food, we got our microwaves, we got all our stuff, we got everything we want instantaneously. Except for when we pray. I got to wait for this. Well, that's part of developing the character that we need to walk with God. All right. Um, But we have to expect God to answer. All right. And expecting God not to answer is basically expecting God to not be truthful or to not be faithful. And all of those things speak to his goodness. All right. And it's this idea. You remember, you know, the devil's, you know, first thing that he did when he tempted Adam and Eve in um, when he when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. You remember the devil's words to to Eve were, did God really say? In other words, I want you to doubt what God really said. Did God really say that you can't eat off of every tree in the garden? Did God really say that you would die if you eat? I mean, come on, right? So his, his motive and his desire in our life is to cause us to doubt, right? So that, um, you know, we won't live the way that, that, that we're supposed to live with the faith that we're supposed to, the hope that we're supposed to believe in that God is good and he's faithful. And that's where it kind of gets into this idea, what I was talking about at the end of worship, this, this idea that, you know, relationship, you know, rules without relationship leads to rebellion because we just don't have the relationship with the father. And what will happen is it will cause us to doubt his motivation. So um, Eve doubted God's motivation because God said, hey, you can eat off every tree except for this one. I just don't want you to eat off this one. And that's what the devil did. They said, come in. He said, no, see, the, God just doesn't want you to be like him. All right, so what he, what, what he was doing is he was causing evil to doubt God's motives for establishing the rules. All right? And listen, it wasn't Eve, at least what we see in Scripture, it wasn't Eve that walked in the garden with God every day like Adam did. Okay? So Eve in theory, didn't have the same relationship that Adam had. Now, we know that Adam ended up falling in it too, okay, because he was being, you know, coerced, all right? And, and so they both were wrong. They both made the wrong, wrong mistake here. But it began with somebody breaking the rules because there was a void in the relationship that created doubt in the motive in the Word of God. So doubt is one of those things. It's a negative use of our imagination where the enemy can come in and keep us from being and believing what God's word has already spoken. All right. The last one that we're going to look at is worry. Okay. Worry. So we've talked about fear. We've talked about doubt. I want to talk about worry. Worry is probably the one um, that is um, 
the one that we probably have the greatest struggle with more consistently in our life, right? I mean, yeah, you know, fear, it comes and it goes. Um, doubt, certainly we all can have our doubts, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but worry is one of those things, man, it could just, it can, it can stick with you for a while, okay? It can stick with you for a while because of stuff that's going on. But listen to this, worry can be defined as a mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated, right? So listen, again, worry is a negative use of your imagination that something bad could happen to me in the future, okay? Worry is, is this impending distress or agitation, okay, about something that is anticipated. And you don't worry about good things in your life. And I, I'm really worried that I win this lottery. Just worried. Now, you know, no, you don't worry about good things. You always worry about bad things. So it's always, it's always, it's always a negative use of your imagination about something that could come to you down the road. All right, And so Jesus actually addresses this uh, in his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. We can read right here. It says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns for their heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more, far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed in as beautiful as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about wildflowers that, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? You see, listen, this idea, this concept that worry creates little faith. All right? And when I told you, hope is necessary for faith, and faith is important to please God. It's this idea is that worry is counterproductive to our hope. Okay? It works against our hope. All right? So he says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough. Okay? So this idea that worry... Worry, worry, worry. We could just, there's, there's all kinds of things in our life that we could worry about. You know, we could just have these concerns and these issues and, and stuff like this. So it, it's, it's just one of those things that we have to understand and recognize what it is before we allow it to just take root inside of our heart. There's, you know, a quote that says, worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. A dense fog that covers a seven-city block area 100 feet deep is composed of less than one glass of water. But it's divided into 60,000 million drops. And it can ruin an entire... It could, 
you know, you know, back in the day, obviously, even, and even today, fog can create major issues, okay? And it could be spread out for a long ways, and all the water in that fog can be contained in just one glass, all right? And that one little, those one little things of worry in our life, those, those one little things in our life that we give in and we, we have going on that, that we allow to kind of take hold of us can be such a little bit that can create an enormous devastation in our life. All of these things that God says are because the, he, he is good to us. The, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow... Okay, for, uh, if, if, if God takes care of the spirit, will he not take care of you? If the lilies of the valleys are clothed every day, how much more important are you? All of these things are statements because they're statements referencing the fact that God is good. So because God is good, you don't have to fear, you don't have to doubt, and you don't have to worry. Okay? You don't have to fear, you don't have to doubt, and you don't have to worry. And really that's all up to you. You see, when we begin to worry, it's because we begin to question if our problems are greater than God's goodness. You know, is my problem, is my situation, is this thing that's going on in my life, is it greater than God's goodness? Is it greater than what God wants to do in my life? It's greater than God's ability. All of those kinds of things. And so here's the thing, like, um, all of them, all three of them are negative uses of our imagination. We all struggle with them at different levels. So I would say this, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with fear as long as, as long as fear doesn't take hold of our life. And there's nothing wrong with doubt inherently as long as doubt doesn't take over our life. And there's nothing wrong with worry as long as worry doesn't take over our life. And, and, and that is speaking to the fact that like, just because you have a thought of doubt doesn't mean that all of a sudden God's like, oh, look, he just doesn't believe me now. Or just because you have a thought of fear doesn't mean like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, God's like, oh, you know, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just not be afraid? All right. And just because you have a thought of worry doesn't mean like God's like, oh, you know, I've already told you not to worry. What's wrong? It's none of those things. Those thoughts are going to come. We're going to have thoughts of worry. We're going to have thoughts of doubt. We're going to have thoughts of fear. And those aren't things that are necessarily displeasing to the Lord just having the thought. But what happens is, is when we take those thoughts and we allow those thoughts to continue to be played like a broken record in our mind over and over again. Listen, what happens is it creates a stronghold inside of our heart. And then when that stronghold begins to develop inside of our heart, then we begin to live our life. It begins to affect the way that we live our life. I I would say this, okay, you know, a significant amount of um, what you would call psychological diseases that exist out there in our culture today that we we diagnose and medicate are probably single-handedly from strongholds of allowing fear, doubt, and worry to exist inside of our minds for way too long. We've created strongholds. Listen, think about anxiety for, for a second. Anxiety is birthed because of fear and worry, okay? That's where anxiety comes from. We have an anxiety attack. I just, I'm having anxiety attacks. You got to go get meditated because you're having anxiety attacks. The reason why we're having anxiety attacks is because Okay, listen, we're allowing worry and fear to, listen, to set up camp inside of our heart, inside of our life, to where it, it then births this fear in this moment where it just attacks you and then you, you have no control. All right, all of these kinds of things, that even if you want to go into, you know, um, 
all these other mental illnesses that exist out there that, yeah, I, I, I tell you, it's crazy. I think one of the things that they were saying, I saw somebody, uh, it was in a medical profession. They were saying that I think 80 to 85% of all diseases in our culture today are psychological. Okay. They're psychological. They, they begin in the mind. So when God tells us, do not fear, okay, he knows that fear will actually hurt us. When God tells us, do not worry, the reason why it's because he knows that worry and anxiety will hurt us. Okay. All these things have a way of affecting the body. Okay. As I was even doing a study for this, I, I, I had even read some stuff that, you know, even in the, 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 uh, the medical world, they say that people that worry less live longer. Well, why? Because God says, don't worry. Right? It's not just because God is wanting to be heavy handed and be like, stop worrying. I'm just trying to, you know, I, no, it's because he knows what's best for you. Your body was not built to handle fear and worry and doubt well. It, it goes against the nature of way, the way we were created in God. All right. And so when it, when, when we live in those things, when we live with this fear, doubt, and worry about our future, about our life, all of these kinds of things, when we live there, it can affect the body. It can affect your body so much so that you can become physically ill because of it. All right. And, and it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's not the way God wants us to live. And Rob, if you'll come. Um, what I want us to do, uh, here, here's the thing. So if you, if you, maybe you're not capable, uh, of being able to do this. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think, um, Hey, Peyton in my backpack back there. Start going through my backpack. I want, I want us to pass out something. I have these little cards in my backpack. I meant to get out earlier so I could pass them out. Um, they're just like small, so it's, but it's going to be a big stack of them. Uh, get those things out for me. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to have our ushers pass these things out just here, here in a second because I want, um, I, I want to kind of do an exercise with you as we kind of close up today. Um, and as we're, we're, listen, we're talking about the, the negative uses of our imagination, this idea that, um, that fear, doubt, and worry are the three great immobilizers. They're the three great enemies of the hope that we're supposed to have. And, you know, when the Bible says that, you know, you know uh, Paul, when writing in 1 Corinthians, he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. So, so while love is the greatest, faith and hope are significant. Okay? They are significant in the way, uh, in the way that we go about uh, doing this. Hey, y'all might want to grab some pens too, if somebody can grab some pens. All right. So if y'all want to go ahead and come forward, let's pass those out real quick. Um, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, we're going to pass this little card out to you. I want you to, I'm going to tell you to write something down. I'm going to give you a, a few seconds just to write something. So if you have a pen, maybe you could pull it out or you can share it, uh, share a pen with somebody else. I know that we're going to grab some pens for you real quick. Um, I, I feel really strongly in this right now. This reason why I, I'm kind of, uh, even though I didn't, I didn't prepare well for it. <laughs> so, um, Anyways, if you need a pen, um, you just raise your hand. Uh, we got some pens. If, if anybody needs a pen, 
Uh, if not, you may have your own pen. All right, so we got some people who need pens over here. Let's go ahead and get those out. Here, listen, if you're ready, what I want you to do is I want, to, I want you to write down your list of uh, the top 10 things that you are afraid of, that you doubt, or that you worry about. Okay, your top 10 fears, doubts, and worries. Now, I know you're going to get through, you know, three, four, or five really quick, you know, that will come to your mind. Top 10 things. Listen, I, I can throw some stuff out of here. You're like, you're afraid of, you know, death, you know, right? Um, so for, for me, listen, I, I would say some of these are like death, drowning, being burnt alive. I'm afraid of heights. Um, sometimes we worry about our finances, our health. Um, I'm afraid of rejection, of being unloved. Maybe we worry about our kids' future, uh, my future. Maybe it's security, just being secure, um, not being good enough, not pleasing others. Um, you know, maybe, you know, some of your fears are, are you know, things like squirrels. I had, I, <laughs> I know, that sounds weird, but I actually talked to somebody this week asking people what their top ten, and that was one of the first like, squirrels. <laughs> uh, well, come to find out when they were a little kid, they were attacked by a squirrel, and now when they see a squirrel, they just run. So, <laughs> I don't know, like, but you may, I don't know, maybe arachnophobia or, um, right, uh, flying cockroaches, uh, being paralyzed, or, you know, maybe just things that fly, right? I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know, just your top 10, your top 10 things. I mean, I'm not going to give you forever, you know, that kind of thing. If you don't get to all 10 of them, it's fine. Uh, but we're just writing down, listen, we're going to name them. Name our fears, name our worries, name, name the things. Maybe it's our doubts. Um, maybe we, we doubt ourselves. Maybe we, we doubt, um, you know, um, people's love for us. Or maybe we, you know, doubt our talents or our abilities. Or I, I don't know. Maybe we doubt God. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, maybe we doubt God's word. I, whatever it is, you're just writing down your top ten list of things that you have right there. Top ten list of Fears, doubts, and worries. All right, so here's the thing about those, that list that you have in front of you. Um, here's the thing as we as you kind of look at those things that, that exist there. I would be willing to say this. I'd be willing to say this. That seven or eight of those things on your list will have already have happened to you or cannot happen. <clears throat> seven or eight of those things on there will have already happened or cannot happen. Like your rejection. Have you been rejected before? Well, yeah. Um, pleasing others. Um, have other people not been pleased with? Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, we've been there. Um, being unloved or whatever. Um, maybe it's, um, <clears throat> you know, something like um, something that you have, you know, control over, like, you know, being, you know hopefully like, you know, drowning and you can just stay away from water. <laughs> that would work, right? Um, so, um, being unloved, maybe it's something that you um, have happened before, not being good enough, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, seven or eight of those things on your list probably have already happened to you or they just cannot happen. 
Um, and then here's the other thing. Between two and, two and four of the things on your list are, are outside of your control. So there's about two to four things on your list that you just don't really have control over. So death is one you just don't have control over. Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, health sometimes is something that you don't have control over. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, you know, squirrels, you just don't have control over. I'm sorry that squirrels are always, right, flying things. I'm sorry, there's going to be times where you're walking through your house and a cockroach comes flying by. Just ways. <laughs> All right. So you, there's some things, there's two to four things on your list are going to be things that you just don't really have a lot of control over. And then, listen, um, there's, there's a, probably, you know, one, two, maybe three things on your list that, that you can actually dictate the outcome for. That there's probably only two, you know, maybe three, sometimes even one thing, one, one thing on your list that you really have the power to control the outcome of that particular thing. And the thing that the, the reason why I bring up this exercise to you is this idea, listen, that we have these three negative uses of our imagination. You listed your top 10 things that you fear, doubt, and worry about. And yet all like, you know, 75% of them are things that have either already happened to you or they cannot happen to you or they're out of your control. You have no control over it. And yet we use all of this negative emotion. We use all of this negative energy in our life in fear, doubt, and worry for things that we've already experienced and we've already gone through. I mean, like if it's health, like you've already been sick before, right? I mean, you've had bad health moments. You, you know, there's, there's things in our life that have already happened to us. That we've already wor- we worry all, we worry about rejection. We, we, we're afraid of reject, all, and, and we've been rejected before. It doesn't mean that it's pleasant. It doesn't mean that we like it. it. doesn't mean that we want to go through it again. But it's already happened. So we use all of this negative energy and all of this negative emotion that immobilizes our hope and our faith in God to be able to walk the way and live the way that God wants us to live. And it's because we've allowed things in our life to gain control. Listen, that have either already happened to us or cannot happen to us or are outside of our control. And so it would be much more fruitful maybe to focus our attention on the two or three things that are on our list that we can't control and just trust God for the rest, right? Just trust God. Of course, you trust God with the three that you can control, right? Because we, we want to trust God in everything. So we want to give God everything. We want to trust him in everything. But the things, obviously, um, there are things in your life that you can control the outcome of. And it's important that you recognize that while you don't need to be worried about them and you don't need to fear them, you need to understand you have a responsibility to live the way you want to live to produce what it is that you want to receive in your life. So what you reap is what you're going to sow. All right, let, let me have you stand to your feet this morning.